Welcome to Be Boomer Unleashed, episode 45, Why Gun Control Won't Stop Gun Violence, part four. I'm Jerry Lake, the Unleashed Baby Boomer, and I'll be your host for today's episode and for all the episodes of Be Boomer Unleashed as we get into today's discussion. Before we do, however, let me remind you where you can always find our podcast. You can always find us at beboomerunleashed.podbean.com, at iTunes and Google Play at Be Boomer Unleashed at iHeartRadio, at b.boomerunleashed, Facebook, Spotify, Tumblr, and Instagram. You can find our links at bboomerunleashed, on Twitter at bboomerunleashed1. And as always, we encourage you to email us at bboomerunleashed at gmail.com. Once again, that's bboomerunleashed at gmail.com. We're always happy to hear your uh, comments suggestions, criticisms, whatever it might be, we uh, we really appreciate hearing that. Well, we've been talking about why gun control won't stop gun violence, and we're in part four of that discussion today. And last week, we promised you that we would get into Obama's discipline policy uh, and why at least five reasons why it made our schools less safe. Uh, you got to remember, like we started this episode with, you know, we didn't have all these instances of school violence. We didn't have all these instances of people bringing guns to school and and knives to school and all of these kinds of things. We didn't have the incidents of teachers abusing uh, students uh, students abusing teachers. We didn't have all that back in baby boomer days. Well, why is that? And I think part of that is the fact that we had strong discipline policies back in those days. You know, today it's nothing to hear a student, even an elementary student, drop the F-bomb in front of a bunch of teachers or tell them to go f all for whatever it might be. And, uh, you know, I can't imagine... When I was in elementary school or junior high school or even high school, ever looking a teacher in the face and telling them to, you know, whatever. It was yes, sir. It was no, sir. It was yes, ma'am. It was no, ma'am. There was a degree of respect. Even if you didn't like the teacher or the principal, you knew that you had to respect that individual. Well, that's not so today, folks. It's just not like that anymore. And if you've, and if the last time you were in school was the last time you were a student, you would not recognize what the public schools have become today. They're nothing like the schools that we had back in boomer days. You know, if you got out of line back in boomer days, as we've said before, the teacher got a paddle out of the desk drawer. Uh, bench you over and give you a couple of swats on the hind end for good measure. And that took care of the problem. Not only did it take care of your problem, everyone else was reminded, hey, I don't want the Board of Education applied to the seat of learning. Now, a lot of you liberals out there who might be listening, and we probably don't have too many liberal listeners unless they're just, you know, uh, want something to uh, stir about. But if you're a liberal listener, you're going to say, well, that's child abuse. That's child abuse. You shouldn't do that. That's child abuse. Well, you same liberals who will say it's child abuse to paddle a child. And I'm not saying to beat a child. You don't do that. You don't ever do that. But most of us who are baby boomers felt the Board of Education applied to the seat of learning at one time or another, and we lived to tell about it. We weren't brutalized. We weren't abused. But the same people who will identify that behavior as child abuse are the same people who think it's just fine to alter the sex 
of a seven-year-old child. Have you been reading about this, folks? These crazy parents wanting to alter the sex, have a sex change operation on a seven- or eight-year-old child. Folks, that's just about as evil and wicked as it can be, yet that's not child abuse. That's where we've come, folks. We've got everything completely upside down in this society where we don't demand respect of students. Students don't respect themselves. They don't respect their parents. They don't respect authority in any way, shape, form, or fashion. You know, these people that are making such a stink today, these socialists that are making such a political uproar today about abortion, about LGBTQ, RXYZ, TUVW, plus 65, those folks that are making all of the fuss about that is the generation that we're talking about. They were raised by daycare centers, most of them. They were raised by babysitters. Both parents worked. There was no discipline in the home. And because of that, today they are in a situation where they have no respect for anybody, no respect for authority. They'll stand up and say we should, you know, hang the president, we should assassinate the president or whatever. Uh, And these same people will say, oh, well, we're the the party or we're the group of, of peace and love and tolerance. No. They're only tolerant to their own opinions. They're only tolerant to their own kind. They're not tolerant to anything else. If you don't believe that, just make a comment that's contrary to what the socialist liberals will tell you today, and you'll find out how tolerant they are. They're not tolerant at all. So today we live in a time where we are surrounded by people who have grown up in a generation where they're was no discipline. You know, they were disciplined by Dr. Spock. You know, the only thing Dr. Spock's book might have been good for would be to spank a child with it, but Dr. Spock was an idiot, and uh, he had all these parenting ideas about, oh, you reason with a child. You And, and you know, if you take in a foster child today, you've got to go through about 300 hours of this uh, liberal brainwashing that says, oh, you never uh, discipline a child. You reason with them. Well, you can't reason with a four-year-old. They don't have the capability of reasoning. So that's the generation that we have today. And the schools are even worse. You know, used to, like I've said before, when you got in trouble at school, you got in trouble again when you got home. But now you get in trouble at school, if there is such a thing as getting in trouble at school anymore. And the next morning you've got the parents and maybe an attorney or a child advocate in your office saying, you know, this you know, my child is perfect. My child wouldn't do that. I had a mother ask me one time, uh, the, she she told me, she said, my child won't lie. My son won't lie. Well, it wasn't about five minutes later, the kid lied and admitted to lying. And I looked at his mother and said, well, I guess there's a first time for everything. I had one mother tell me that. And I said, well, I can, I can tell you your child lies. Well, how do you know he lies? And I said, well, I can see his lips moving. And Teenagers, regardless of whose teenagers they are, whether they were mine when they were growing up, whether they were yours, whether it was me or you growing up, we lied. Nobody had to teach us how to do that. Nobody's perfectly honest. It's not like George Washington. I cannot tell a lie. I chopped down the cherry tree, which is probably a lie to begin with. But anyway, we have a generation of liars, but they're not called into account for it. The parents will just believe them. 
without any question whatsoever. And the soft discipline policy that came to be under the Obama administration made our schools less effective and less safe. Now, there's a guy by the name of Jarrett Stepman, who back in 2018 wrote an article entitled Five Ways Obama's Discipline Policy Made Schools Less Effective and Safe. And we're going to take some excerpts from that article today and uh, share those with you. I, I, I think most of the points that he makes in his article is correct. Now, we I, I was a principal when... We got that uh, dear colleague letter and telling us that we uh, needed to look, be careful about suspending too many children of color, be careful about suspending too many children with uh, disabilities or whatever. And the school initiative that was launched by the Obama administration, you know, that really became a subject for debate, especially, especially after the February 14th massacre in Parkland, Florida. And, uh, you know, that's all put forward in that book that I asked you to read, Why Meadow Died by Andrew Pollack. And if you haven't read that book yet, please do. It's a great book, and I encourage everyone to buy a copy of that and read it. But as is typical with many federal policies, they're meddling in what should be a local matter, and it leads to poor results. You know, West Virginia... Uh, We just got the results back. Our fourth grade reading scores went down again. They had the biggest drop of any state in uh, the United States of America. I think they dropped, I forget how many points it was, but why do we keep paying teachers more and more, and why do results continue to become uh, less and less? And, you know, it's a phenomenon that... Uh, people say, well, they really don't understand it. Well, I understand it. I understand it perfectly. It's not high stakes for the kids. They don't care. What are you going to do to them if they don't do their homework? What's going to happen to them if they just decide not to do the work in class? What's going to happen to them if they just sit down on a standardized test and make Christmas trees with the bubbles or or just pick C for every answer on the computer-generated test? What What's going to happen to them? I've got the answer to that. Absolutely nothing. It's not high stakes for the kids. It's only high stakes for the teachers. And so when the federal government meddles in local district policies, almost always you're going to find something that leads to poor results. The federal government messes up everything that they get involved in because they are extremely overreaching in this country. And not only do they want to get into local school district business, they want to get into your home. They want to mess with you and mess with your kids. Child Protective Services, they're not interested in following up on legitimate complaints, all they want to do is come after parents who might have spanked their children at the grocery store or something. So that's what we're dealing with today, folks. And because of this February 14th massacre, this high school in Parkland, Florida, you know, the president, they put out this dear colleague letter from the Department of Education in 2014, it was designed to crack down on racial disparities in school discipline and reduce the school-to-prison pipeline. Created negative, it created negative unintended consequences, according to Manhattan Institute scholar Max Eden, who was on that panel and also is uh, is, is involved in in the uh, in the book that we that we talked about. Now. Congress is trying to ramrod ramrod through increased gun laws, 
upon the American people. You know that. I'm not telling you something you don't always know. But will that really stop the rise in gun violence? And I've already given you the answer to that. No, it's not going to stop that whatsoever. It's not going to stop that whatsoever. So let's look at some of these Obama-era policies, how they helped the parkland shooter stay under the radar. And so, number one, what was the first reason? Well, schools feared investigation, and they adopted a lower standard for discipline. You can make statistics look really, really good if you don't, report every incident that's going wrong. If we legalized heroin, guess what? We wouldn't have a drug problem anymore, would we? If we legalized marijuana like they have in many states, you're not going to have a marijuana problem. You're not going to have that problem because it's not against the law now. And it's the same thing that happened to this laxed school discipline policy. You know, the federal government had already said, don't discipline minority students unless it's justified. It would have to have sounded reasonable, but how schools read it said like it's more like don't discipline a minority student unless you're confident you can persuade some future federal investigator whose judgment you have no reason to trust that it was justified. That's what was hanging over the heads of the school administration. So the first downfall of that policy was the fact of the federal overreach and the federal meddling into something that should be local school policy. The nature of bureaucracy means that it's inevitable for those trying to follow such guidelines to overreact. If you knew, for example, if the federal guideline was the speed limit is 55 miles an hour, and uh, you are told that if you're caught going 56 miles an hour, you're going to spend one year in jail. Well, guess what? You're going to go about 54. And it's the same. You're going to overreact to that. You're going to go 54 because of the federal overreach and the federal penalty there. And it's the same way it was in school. You say, well, you know, we're going to withhold federal funding or we're going to give you a bonus if if your discipline uh, uh, counts go down. So whenever money, just follow the money, and whenever money's involved or whenever federal overreach is involved, you can probably find the problem or the root of the problem. So first we have schools feared investigation. You know, you 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 know, I was a principal back then, and they said, you know, you need to be, be really careful about the number of special needs students you uh, you uh, suspend or the uh, the uh, students of color that you suspend. Now, when most people think of special needs students, they think of kids that they're talking about kids who are identified with severe disabilities. No, no, all contrary. Students with disabilities could have just a mild learning disability, or they could be a behavior disordered kid. They could be opposite defiant authority. They could have any kind of, uh, they could be bipolar. There could be all these things and they're identified as special needs students. So uh, you're dealing with a whole uh, uh, litany or a whole laundry list, if you will, of different disabilities that are classified as student disabilities. And it's not just, you know, severe uh, mental disabilities. It's disabilities that Uh, sometimes are just simply behavior-related. So they tell you not to punish these minority students uh, or put, uh, put other minority students in danger. And what happens then is that administrators who are under pressure ignore crimes committed in school by students of color and by students with uh, disabilities. You know, there's no consequences to their actions. 
creates an environment in which good students feel unsafe. And that's the problem there, folks. We've got lots of good students in these schools who have to put up with the likes of the Parkland school shooter. You know, most educators want students to be more civically engaged. You know, a teacher in South Bronx Public School District said uh, it sends an awful message to children when the place they do engage are places they feel unsafe. So, you know, so they're bullied or harmed, and there's no meaningful consequence. Bullying, you know, some of the very first episodes I did on Be Boomer Unleashed, and you can go back and listen to those, is about school bullying. And the problem it is, and it's a real-life problem today, but how do you deal with it? How do you deal with it? If you can figure out how to deal with school bullying with lax discipline policies, then, you know, you might win the Nobel Peace Prize or something. But when you have these lax discipline policies that have been thrust upon the public schools today and there's no consequence for sin, then the students then the students can get away with whatever they want to get away with. Number three, teachers feel like they've lost control. You know, the guidance to schools from the Obama administration took discipline decision out of the teacher's hands and put it in the hands of the bureaucrats. When I taught school, the only time I wrote up a behavior referral that I can remember is if, I, if two kids were fighting in the hallway or there was some crime that was taking place outside of my classroom. I took care of the problems within my classroom. Trust me, I took care of the problems within my classroom. Didn't matter whether they were black, white, Asian, special needs or not, I took care of those problems. And, you know, you have lots of different levels of discipline problems, and teachers, you know, are reacting to this. Teachers are simply identifying the students who are actually misbehaving And especially for the worst offenders, it tends to be the same kids over and over and over again. And these are the kids that we're told, well, you can't suspend them too much. You can't suspend them too much. Once prior behavior is taken into account, you know, race drops out as as a predictor entirely. But now it's more difficult for teachers to use their best judgment to discipline students. And it's, you know, it's leading classrooms to get out of control. And there are classrooms today that are simply out of control. Classrooms are becoming a battleground, not a safe haven. You know, we've seen all this take place since the Obama administration policy. Teachers are afraid to do anything or say anything. Just talk to a teacher. They will tell you that what I'm telling you is the absolute truth. They're afraid to do anything. They're afraid to say anything. Uh, they're not saying they can't make decisions on how to discipline kids. All of that is taken out of the hands of the teachers. And oftentimes, when they go, to, when the teacher sends them to the office, nothing happens. Absolutely nothing happens, and that's a shame. Well, number four, arrests and suspensions went down, but so did academic standards. The Obama administration policy pressured schools to reduce arrests and suspensions. That occurred, but the discipline problem escalated and many schools suffered. You know, if you go soft on discipline, the discipline problems aren't going to show up because you're not reporting them. You're not reporting them. A significant portion of the achievement gap is actually a time-on-task gap. And much of that time on task gap is caused because of disruptions in the classroom. So you've got kids who are constantly disrupting the classroom, and you're told by the administration, you know, just put up with these kids. Don't do this one. Don't send them out. We don't want to make our numbers look bad, whatever it might be. And you've got nothing but problems, nothing but problems. So lazy reporters, if you will, focused on selected statistics that show suspensions going down, And when they insinuated it's a sign that the schools are getting safer, that was a lie. 
That was simply a lie. When schools aren't allowed to enforce basic norms, serious problems will increase. And like I said, these lax discipline policies, these federal, the federal intervention, the school district adherence to these federal norms, the police department who was under-reporting crimes, all this worked together to create this February 14th massacre in Parkland. And, you know, people, you know, they get on the bandwagon and jump and say, well, it's because of guns, it's because of guns. Well, federal meddling, number five, we look at that, leads to local failure. Ultimately, one of the biggest problems with the Obama guidance on school discipline is that it injected federal meddling into an issue best handled by states and local school districts. Federal federal intervention, again, gets into areas that should have no jurisdiction over when the local states and the local school districts should have the right to enforce their own discipline policy. You know, a lot of this guidance comes with the discomfort of the excesses of zero tolerance. You know, and uh, there is zero tolerance in in some school districts, but the federal government doesn't allow that. Oh, no, well, give the kid a break. Give him another chance. Uh, if we don't want police to be stepping into classrooms, it's important to allow teachers to, you know, let them use greater discretion about how to discipline students. When a locality makes a mistake, it's a lot easier to correct it at a local level than when the federal government says you got to do this. Folks, this tragedy that took place in Parkland, Florida, could have been prevented, not by gun control, not by uh, more counseling, not by stricter gun laws, no. It could have been prevented if the Parkland School District had not had to uh, fall in line with the federal mandate to suspend fewer students. Now, this student who was the Parkland shooter, the Parkland murderer, I'm not going to call him a shooter. I'm a shooter. I go out and shoot my gun, but I don't murder anybody. So this heinous murderer who murdered these students at Parkland, Florida, uh, he bought a gun legally. Well, how did he do that? Well, because the police didn't report the crime. Uh, They were called to his home numerous times for violent behavior. The school didn't report his crimes that took place there in school. So even though this guy was constantly on the police radar and school administration radar, it was never reported, and he didn't have anything on his record that would prevent him from purchasing a gun when he became an adult. So, folks, this soft discipline policy does nothing, absolutely nothing, to make our schools safer and everything to make our kids unsafe. Now, next week, we're going to talk a little more about Uh, this Grad Nation State Activation Initiative, which is part of this America's Promise Alliance. We're going to talk about that. Then we're going to talk about some common sense ways to make schools safe. And then hopefully we'll be able to conclude this discussion with an interview with uh, Andrew Pollack, uh, who wrote the book Why Meadow Died. And just to kind of bring everything that we've talked about together, this uh, this man, as far as I'm concerned, is a, is a hero. 
his daughter was violently murdered and he is using this tragedy to try to see that it never happens to anyone else and we're so appreciative of what he does so once again the book why meadow died by andrew pollack max eden you need to get that book you need to read it next week next week we're going to talk about that grad nation initiative which you know really caused a lot of these problems there and not only in parkland but it's causing problems around the country this lacks discipline policy and then we will talk about some common sense ways some common sense ways to help keep our students safe we can keep them safe we can keep them safe and it has nothing to do with gun control we just need to do the right thing okay well listen it's been great being with you once again we appreciate you stopping by to be boomer unleashed this week and uh, we hope you'll tune in again Uh, we appreciate uh, you coming by it wouldn't be much fun if we didn't have anybody listening out there we appreciate you so have a great week and may god bless each and every one of you goodbye